0: Ladies and gentlemen, Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder for me. Is as poised as can be
1: in the entertainment capital of the world.
0: Right now, he backs off from a sharp right uppercut to the body by right Tyson again. A double right hand to the body and the chin. Down goes Lorenzo boy The count is five, the count is six. The count is eight. He will not get up. It's over. It's the T.C. Martin Show. The man is dangerous. He's
2: dangerous. He's Steady. crazy. Okay. And don't give a damn about nothing. That's true.
1: He says, ah, come at you. Ah.
0: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor.
1: Fighting out of the blue corner.
0: T.C. Martin. Has he hit him with that
1: punch? I think his eyes went into separate orbits there. The doctor is now in. Let's get Number two, glad to have you with us. TC Martin, ballpark Frank with you on this Thunderous Thursday. Don't forget, we've got boxing coming your way Saturday night at the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. Shakur Stevenson in the main event, 15 0 against Jeremiah Nagathelia, 21 1, 10 consecutive knockouts for Nagathelia. So it's going to be a great main event. We also talked about Jose Pedraza. He's a two time uh, former world champion, so he is in the co-main event and we just heard from bob arum so looking forward to that saturday night and the guy who will be on the call with espn my man timothy bradley the five-time hey, champ hey. i don't know i don't know how many belts I, i've lost count man five six seven man, i got five See, I got I got it. five. I know what time it is. What's up with you, baby? How you doing, man? They call you the doctor. I know they call you the doctor. That's, they call me a doctor, <laughs> man. I got my doctor's greens on right now, man. There you go.
3: That's what's up, man.
1: No, what, sa- sa- what's going I- on? On Saturday, are you the fight doctor? No, Freddie Pacheco's the you
2: fight know. doctor. See, we know that. I- See,
3: I- I don't think I'm the fight doctor. No, no, indeed, no. I don't want to be the fight doctor because uh, somebody, somebody get knocked out. I believe on Saturday, it's going to be a knockout. I believe in the main event.
1: Ooh, now yeah, someone's getting knocked we'll, out. Now, go ahead, go into some detail. You're not saying that Shakur is going to get his first loss here, now, are you? You're not going to go that no, far, No, are you, Tim? No, 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 no,
3: no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Shakur is honestly, you know, he's the future of boxing, in my opinion. Future pound for pound number one fighter in the world. I said it with Terrence Bud Crawford. I'm saying it with Shakur Stevenson. And the reason why I say that is is because this is a young guy that understands distance. He's mastered distance. Something that Floyd Mayweather was brilliant at. He mastered distance, defense, very elusive. So is Shakur. And Shakur is coming from the southpaw stance as well, which makes things even more difficult for guys. But let's talk about Saturday, man. He's fighting against Nakatia. Nakatila. Drop the H. Nakatia. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. Drop the T. You're right. Drop the. He's fighting against a, and a guy that you know come from a different country. So these guys are dangerous. These guys are dangerous. You don't know much about him. He's fought all of his fights over in his in his own country. Um, he's coming over here. He's trying to, of course, embarrass uh, the young Shakur Stevenson. It's going to be a tough task for him. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for him. Honestly, man, it's it's really tough to even come over here to the U.S. and fight one of the best fighters of this generation, Shakur Stevenson. But. As far as stylistically goes, what he brings is he brings intensity. He has some height, he has some reach, and he has a right hand that can knock down a buffalo. Honestly, his right hand is devastating. He's coming to this fight with, I believe, a 9 or 10 knockout winning streak. So he's super confident coming in this fight. He said he's going to take it to Shakur Stevenson. He said he can hurt Shakur Stevenson. And we haven't seen Shakur in the ring with somebody that's that hungry and that determined. Someone that's going to press him. Someone that's going to get in his face and take his best and also dish that type of power, serious power, that he's going to be dishing. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how Shakur deals with that. But I know Shakur, man. I've known him well. I've known him all his amateur career as well. He's going to figure things out. He's going to get in the inside. And that's where I see Nakatia, that's why I see him, um, he's weak. He's weak in the inside. Mm-hmm. Shakur will find his distance, eventually get in the inside, break him down slowly. And I say this fight doesn't go past eight rounds. I'll be surprised if it goes past eight rounds.
1: That's it. We're going to the book, man. There it is. Tim Bradley. Let's go get the under. Let's go get Shakur. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, Shakur's 15-0, and 0, and people remember him from the Olympics. And, again, you know, Bob signed him, you know, right out of there. And this guy's had – a great career, and a lot of people said, hey, eventually pound for pound. But I guess, Tim, maybe the one knock on him would be that he doesn't display that big knockout punch. And, he, and I think he's got it, but we just haven't seen it. For a lot of guys, as you know, when you're coming up, you usually see a lot of your early victories by KO. I mean, he's 15-0, yeah. I think it's what, seven or eight knockouts, that's all he has. So is that going to come back to hurt him down the road as the competition gets stiffer?
3: Uh, you know, as the
1: competition gets stiffer, it's harder and harder
3: to knock guys out. you got to understand that this kid was, had 13 professional fights, and now he won a world championship. So he's fighting top-notch, top-notch competition. But this is, a, a, i say, a lower-tier guy, a guy that we're not familiar with that he has to face. I expect, my expectations is to, to dispose of these type of guys. These guys don't belong in the ring with you. We're talking about that you're going to be the next pound-for-pound great. I know fans... American fans, they love knockouts. I personally love the skills, but what I feel is, is that he has respectable punching power, but he has all these skills and abilities. So, like, he can figure a way to get these guys up out of there. Like, you don't have to. It can be more of a, 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 you know, hitting a guy over and over and over and slowly breaking them down and bewildering him, and then, you know, finally he either quits on the stool or, you know, his corner stops it or the referee stops it. He has that ability to do it, but he just needs to take a little bit more risk. Almost as what Devin Haney was trying to do. Devin Haney, when he fought against Linares, he was going for the knockout, and he got caught. He got hurt. We never seen Devin Taney hurt. You know, he walked back funny to the corner. But, see, I want to see young guy like Shakur in these type of situations trying to get the knockout, even if he has to take a little bit more risk. I understand being on the safe side, but this will help him grow later in his career, especially when he gets in there with someone like a Tank Davis or, uh, you know, um, Oscar Valdez. Guys with tremendous punching power, you know, that have an ability to, to hurt him. So. You know, why not take the chance? Why not take the risk? Why not show the fans what you really, truly are made of? And so that way they can gravitate towards you even more. Because just as you said, they like to see knockouts.
1: Yeah, we've got the speed, though. You're talking about bantamweights. weights. You're talking about the lighter weights here. People love to see the speed, and you'll see that on display. Shakur Stevenson, Saturday night at the Virgin Hotel Las Vegas. Timothy Bradley, the five-time champ and the What's commentator up, on ESPN, joins us now. How important is it to
2: all these fighters on this card, whether they're the main event or just anybody else that's going to be on TV, for the exposure that's offered being on TV cards and getting their name out there? Because obviously everybody wants to make the big money, but you have to pay your mm-hmm. dues for it. But, I mean, this is a great way for them to get it. in and, and how excited are you as a boxing, not only analyst and announcer, but also a fan of the sport, to see it again where more and more people are getting more exposure as we see more fights on TV, the free TV, so to speak that people can catch and then maybe remember them and say, hey, when they're all playing, fighting in a pay-per-view years later on, I want to buy it because I remember this guy back when.
3: So to answer your first question, see, it's very important that any fighter that fights or just gets displayed on, uh, on national TV, you know, on cable TV, it's very important for them to, to really come out and perform at their very best. Now, you don't necessarily have to win the fight. Well, of course you want to win, but I'm just saying if you put up a good showing, if you put up a good fight, guess what? The network will pay to see you again. They will gladly pay to see you again. But if you're to get out there and you just, I don't know, you don't put your best foot forward and you look terrible and it's a boring fight, it's a snoozer, <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you're not going to come back and fight on TV. So any fighter that's on the card or even an undercard, you always want to show come 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 to this event and you want to show out. You always want to show out and do your very best. No added pressure whatsoever. Fight your fight. But be spectacular. Be the best that you possibly could be because, you know, these, these, these opportunities don't come, man. They don't come often. And, you know, your second question is is that a lot of times, like, I love the fact that boxing is on television more often, like you said. That's back in the old days. Back in the old days, the older days, uh, the 70s and, and 80s, you know, boxing was on television often. It was on free, free cable. That's why all these guys are so popular. The fact that we have it now – it's great because now you don't have to pay the fifty dollars that we had to pay. <laughs> Whoever paid that, they silly. Whoever paid that for that exhibition, they they, they crazy. The, uh, this <laughs> past weekend,
1: <laughs> uh, we talked about that exactly. Unreal. real Be honest, did you watch any of it? Did you go get it for no, free? No. Anything? Any no, highlights? No.
3: No. 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 Absolutely not, man. You know, fight fans shouldn't have to pay for things like that there at all. Go. So. You know, you're getting the best and the best. Uh, of course, it's going to give you more notoriety, uh, more exposure, fighting on, on, on cable TV. Uh, it's just great for the business in general and great for the fighter. Uh, I wish I could have fought on, on free cable. I wish I could have fought on ESPN. I mean, I fought on HBO, which is great, and Showtime as well. But, man, you know, this is many people are going to be watching these events. So uh, it's great for the fighter, man.
1: All right, so we talk about Shakur, but here's another mm-hmm. a, a guy who will be fighting here next week, Anui. They call him the monster, and not many mm. people are familiar with him, Tim. I want you to break this guy down because um, I, yeah. I saw the fight uh, when he fought Donaire, and that was a war. That was a great fight, yep, and was. not many people gave Do- Donair much of a shot. And now we saw what Nonito did just a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's back and he's got himself another belt. And what he's doing is phenomenal. So you could, you could touch on Nonito Donaire if you want as well, too. But talk about Inouye and what this guy brings. And, you know, we're going to be giving away tickets you know, uh, for this weekend, next weekend, and then Loma the following. People, mm-hmm. people need to see all three of these superstars because these guys in the main event, they're all superstars. But I don't yes, think are. people are ready for Inouye. In a way, in a way, is it's very
3: interesting because it's funny you say that. Because I watched him fight against Donaire, I was like, "All right, he's all right." You know, I mean, he put up a hell of a fight. I mean, he showed what he's made of. He fought with a broken eye socket. That's 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 what this guy has. I mean, this guy has a big, huge heart. He's very determined. Uh, he has the will to win, but he's so skillful. When I saw him live, when I saw him fight against, I believe it was Jason Maloney, I was like, I was in awe. I, I, you know, Andre Ward, my partner, he was telling me like, Hey, this guy is really good. And I was like, ah, I see him on tape. I see some flaws. I see this. Yeah. He's all right. He's all right. You know? And then when I saw him in person, I mean, I was highly impressed with his work. I mean, he is very, very, very uh, methodical, uh, no wasted movement. I mean, everything he did in the ring was for a purpose. He even sometimes will put himself at risk so that way he can deliver a shot. And, you know, a lot of times the guys they they're not willing to take risks, but he will actually step in there and be taking shots, still be on balance and still deliver uh, his his kill shots. Which is he's he's powerful in both hands. It doesn't matter. He can hit you with the uppercut, body shot. He does a little bit of everything. He's a great, phenomenal counterpuncher as well. Uh, he walks forward. He's not a guy that likes to fight off the back foot too often. He can, but he likes and he looks for the action. He's an action-packed fighter. Um, he's very entertaining. I would say him, he's top three. He's number three right now, pound for pound, in the game. It's, I think he's won three what, world championships in three different weight classes. Uh, this guy, he won the uh, 100, and I believe it was 100 and fifteen pound weight uh tournament that they have, weight class tournament that they have. Uh he beat no needle on there. Um he's, he's back at one eighteen. I I he's at one eighteen now. He's moved up. Could see him to go one twenty two. He can go up even up even more north and fight at one twenty six if he wants to, if he shall decide. But He's a fantastic, fantastic fighter. I think the fans are going to like because he's super explosive and he does deliver great knockouts.
1: Is there an eventual showdown here between him and Shakur coming? No,
3: no, 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 absolutely not. I, I, I don't think so. I think, I think honestly, if there was a, a show with, uh, with Shakur, it would probably be with the, the next guy you had mentioned, and that was. Uh, uh, uh uh Lomachenko. Mm-hmm. I, I can see I can see a fight between Shakur Stevenson and Lomachenko in the near future if Lomachenko continues to fight uh in this game of boxing. Uh I, I really do see it happening down the line. Uh I don't know when, maybe a year from now, maybe a year and a half from now, but I do see those two mixing it up either at one thirty 130 or one thirty five.
1: All right, Tim Bradley joins us. All right, Tim, you mentioned Terrence Bud Crawford a little bit earlier. We talked to Bob. Bob says he's meeting with Terrence tomorrow, and uh, they're, they're going to talk things over here. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, man? Uh, you know, people are, are screaming. They want to see Terrence Crawford back in the ring. And, you know, we know the welterweight division and where a lot of those welterweights are hanging out with Al Heyman. We understand the politics of it all. Give me your take uh, about Terrence Crawford. What is next for him?
3: Man, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, the the stable here the stable here at say at top rank and uh the selection that he has is very slim. Um, you know, a lot of guys like you said are the the wealth division is, is totally with the Al Heyman side. Uh, PBC side. So a lot of those guys are not willing to negotiate with Terrence Bud Crawford, which makes things even more difficult because Ter- Terrence Bud Crawford, to me, is the best welterweight in the world. I know Earl Spence will argue that and say, oh, no, he's the best. I get it. He has two straps. He's going to get a third strap if he beats Manny Pack out here shortly in August. But, you know, Terrence is kind of shut out right now. Um, he has nowhere to go. I don't know if he can fight against Sean Porter. I've heard that Sean Porter wanted to fight him uh you know uh, three or four months ago. uh he was really pushing for the fight um it never nothing ever uh, nothing ever materialized so I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm curious to see. Uh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in the room with Terrence Crawford, Crawford and uh, Bob Arum when they do decide on what they're going to be doing next. But he's in a really, really rough patch right now. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. If he's not in the ring fighting, you're not getting better, and the fans will will, will seriously forget about you. Terrence Bell Crawford needs a dance partner, and he needs one
1: fast and un- unfortunately that is the the downside of, of boxing yeah. with the different promoters if they can't work together in the politics <laughs> going back to your career tim uh, how mu- how much did, did politics uh, affect you as far as you know big paydays and, and, and fights that you wanted or whatever i mean we we see it well, all the time thing. but uh just give us give us a one one or two elements uh that uh you know where it affected you
3: well it is, it, it did affect me honestly um at that time I, I believe it was shoot i don't even know how many years ago i uh, retired 2016 it still was going on there still was this divide between uh pbc and uh top rank and golden boy there was still this like just division this divider right between us and and so it was really hard to really get fights over uh if I needed to, if I wanted to fight a welterweight over there it was really hard to to fight any welterweight over there uh if if any welterweight over there wanted to come over to to the, T, the TR side it was really hard to negotiate on the TR side it, I think it went both both ways back and forth um I think it was one time where I think I was I was mentioned uh the WBC somewhat said that they wanted me to fight against uh, Earl Spence. Earl Spence was like, uh, I believe he was like the, uh, they ordered it, the fight. At that time, Earl Spence was going a different route. Um, nobody really knows this. Nobody really talks about this, but he was going a different route. He was he was already in, in negotiations and already had uh, sealed the deal with uh, with uh, Kel Brook at the time. Well, that was the only time that I, a PBC fighter was offered to me. Uh, it was just with a sanctioning body saying that, hey, you should fight Earl Spence. We got you number one. He's number two. You guys should fight. Fight, and obviously we didn't go that route. Um, but at the end of the day, I got Pacquiao out three times. Uh, I was on the right side of the. I was on the right side of the street. I would say, and uh, I got paid <laughs> a lot of money <laughs> fighting against Manny Pacquiao, one of the best that ever do it, man.
1: And you gave us some classics. You and Manny did outstanding stuff, man. man. Appreciate outstanding, you, outstanding, man. No question.
2: You mentioned that it's hard to negotiate sometimes when you're doing different organizations like that. How do how do those negotiations go about? Do you have to make certain concessions? Do you have to know for sure what you won't uh, won't give up in a fight or something? I mean, is it give and take? Does one side have more leverage than the other, or does it depend on the opponent, the venue, and everything else?
3: You got to understand that the leverage the leverage that each promoter has is is that you know they get to control the narrative. So. If you (laughs) uh, we've seen Fury and Wilder do it, it's possible, you know, it's possible it can happen. And we're going to see Fury and Wilder do it again. And that's PBC and that's TR. So it's possible. I believe that the fighters, the fighters, the boxers, they have to just make it happen. They have to tell their promoter. They have to tell, hey, Al, Al Heyman, Spence got to say, Hey, I want to fight Terrence Crawford. And Crawford, of course, we know he wants to fight Earl Spence. He's said it on record many times. He stopped saying it. He said it so much. But that's it. I mean, honestly, it's just the, it's up to the fighter. The fighter can get the promoter to do whatever they want. They really can. Now, as far as negotiations goes, you've got to think about the networks. You have, you have ESPN, you have, you have PBC, Fox, or Showtime you know so you got the networks that got to come up with something you know no one wants to get left behind you know ESPN's going to want Crawford to fight on uh ESPN they're not going to want him to fight on any other network um and the same thing goes for Spence so you have networks you have promoters you have uh differences you know with the fighters uh but ultimately at the end of the day if something if these guys want to fight If they want to fight, we say, you know what? I'm not going to fight anymore until I fight Bud Crawford. I'm not going to fight anymore until I fight Earl Spence. It can happen. It
1: truly can happen. All right. Timothy Bradley joins us. Tim, you mentioned Fury Wilder. We're going to get the official announcement on Tuesday. We know it's going to be July 24th here in Vegas at T Mobile Arena. Uh, it's a little bit of a kind of a, a short-sighted uh, promotion, you know, n- n- a little yeah. over five weeks. But I think, uh, you know, people are anxious to get back in the building. They want to see these guys fight again. And, but, you know, after that last fight that we saw, you know, last February, we weren't sure if uh, you know we wanted to see this again because of what mm. happened, how Tyson Fury just dominated Wilder. Let me ask you, do you, mm. do you think that we are going to see anything different from the last time they fought?
3: Of course. Of course, you're going to see something different. Uh, the reason why you're going to see something different is, is because Deontay Wilder has changed a lot about his camp. He's changed a lot about himself. Uh, that's the only reason why this fight's going to be different, honestly. We know what we're going to get from Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury already feels that he already, is. I have a blueprint already. I'm going to put him on his back foot. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to battle the right hand. I'm going to take it away from him, and then I'm just going to shove it down his face You know, with my right hand. You know, he, he showed us that, uh, you know, about a year, a little bit over a year ago, I would say 17 months or so yeah. ago. Uh, and he still has that that in his mind. And he knows that psychologically going into this fight, Deontay Wilder making excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse, he knows that he has the mental edge going into this fight. Like he said, I have everything. I have your belt. I have your soul. I, I practically beat you up. <laughs> you know, uh, your corner had to stop it. So, um, you know, it's going to be a big challenge mentally for Deontay Wilder this third time around, but I know he's going to be different. I know he's isolated. I see him training. I see his videos and things online. I like what I'm seeing. Uh, As long as Deontay Wilder don't try to be something that he's not, meaning like being this cute boxer and trying to move and look cute and stuff like that and dancing around, uh, I think he'll be fine. He just needs to be aggressive, more aggressive, uh, not tentative at all, He needs to let that right hand go as often and as much as possible. And he needs to be aggressive. He needs to be a beast in there, a dog. That's what he needs to be, to be able to beat a guy like Tyson Fury, who can do a little bit of everything. So, um, yes, I think the fight's going to be different. I really do. I don't think it's going to be an easy fight for Tyson Fury. And that's why you see Tyson Fury going dark. You know, he's no longer on social media. He's he's quiet now. He's he's totally focused because he knows that he's going to get an animal in Deontay Wilder, a guy that's going to try to get his
1: belt back. You know, we know so, that, we know Bob likes to compare him to Muhammad Ali as far as yeah, just you know the showmanship and the way he talks yep. and everything, which is really cool. But you know, you could tell these guys really don't like each other, which is genuine. And sometimes you know it, it's not genuine. You and you and fan, fight fans can diagnose that when when it's not. Mm. Uh, over your time give us give us a name or two that you felt was like a hey, you know a, a real good trash talker you know what i'm saying because we Kendall see it, we, is it say that again <laughs> Kendall Hall <Hulk. Okay. laughs> Kendall Hall Kendall Hall can
3: talk some trash okay <laughs> Kendall Hall yeah Kendall Hall I fought him he, he was the uh WB uh WBO champion at the time I was the WBC uh 140 pound champion um and I remember him you know, talking during the press conference. I remember him talking. Actually, it was moments before we actually, uh, you know, the first bell rang. Uh, when I went out, was in Montreal. Uh, I was at the Bell Center. And he said to me, he said, You want to see this heart? Directly in front of me inside of the mic, right as, as we're, you know, uh, about to touch gloves. You want to see this heart? You want to see this heart? So I'm like right there. Fueled me. Oh my goodness! I went. Out, I was raving inside. I was like, <laughs> "I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna get this guy. I'm gonna kill this guy." So I went out. I went out like fast, fast as I've ever done in, in any match. Forget about a forget about a fill out round or whatever. I was got totally aggressive, and he hit me with this shot, dude, and knocked me on my behind, dude. <laughs> Honestly, he hit me with this left hook. Honestly, I was out on my feet. I was out, like, literally. I flew in the air, and when I hit the ground, the ground woke me up. I just remember getting up, and I remember feeling my elbow was kind of tingly, and then I I stood up, and my right leg was completely numb, and I had this buzzing sensation in my, my ear, like, in my head, and I was like, oh, my God, go away. I took a knee. For about eight seconds, I got back up, and then I was just like, oh, snaps. He's about to come towards me right now. I got to (laughs) survive. But anyway, I finished the fight. I ended up winning the fight. Uh, But, yeah, he was a major trash talker, man. He got under my skin, and that was a learning experience for me.
1: Wow, that's that's crazy. I almost had some visions of uh, the fight in in Carson, California. You know what I'm talking about? We're talking about getting uh-huh. buzzed. You know what I mean? And I'm going like, yeah, that kind remind of reminded me that was that. Jesse.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was Jesse. That was Jesse, Jesse Vargas. Vargas. Yep, exactly. Jesse Vargas. I got clipped. I you know the first time that I really realized why I got clipped, it was. Uh, I remember Teddy Atlas had uh, gave me a comment, called me, and did an interview. And uh, he was like, do you know why you got clipped with that shot? And I was just like, uh, no. <laughs> and he goes, you got clipped with that shot because what do you do when a guy drops down in front of you? And I was just like, uh, hit him with an uppercut? And he goes, no, <laughs> you drop down with him. You drop down with him. He's trying to sneak you, and that's what he did. He acted like he was going into your pocket and came over the top with the looping right hand, and you stood straight up and he was hit with it. And I, at that time, that's when I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, <laughs> I needed Teddy Atlas in my life, and that's when I went on ahead and decided to change my trainer. But anyhow, uh, yeah, I, I remember that fight, man. I would have finished on my feet too. By the way, Jesse, I know Jesse Vargas here in Vegas. I would have finished on my feet, man. You know who you're dealing with. I'm the hey, I'm the Desert Storm, brother. Shoot, the Desert Storm. I would have finished. Yeah, the, the, if you, no one saw it, hey, the ref the ref stepped in and stopped a little bit too soon, man. You know, like he didn't stop it. He oh, thought the bell well, had I was
1: like Pat Russell, right? I mean, come on, Pat Russell. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about guy, Pat. R- okay, that's my here. guy, man. Don't talk about my guy, okay. Pat Russell. I, I, I he's cool. won't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> I
3: mean, you know, California. He's retired now. He's guys. retired now. He's retired now. He's. I think he's just uh uh he's judging fights now. So he's done with the ref and he's judging fights.
1: So. Well, it's funny, you know. So Jesse would be on the show pretty regularly and I remember having yeah. him on before that and I remember we had him on I had him on after that fight and man he was he was he was he was still buzzing, you know, about that about that fight. Yeah, he, was, he, was. he was still talking. I-
3: and yeah, I love Jesse. I mean, Jesse Vargas is cool. I mean, Jesse Vargas is cool. I mean, he's a competitor, but he did rock me with that shot. But, bro, I had my wits about, about me, man, and I tied your behind up. And I had about seven seconds left or eight seconds left, bro. I would have took another knee. I would have took an actual knee because I didn't go down when you hit me. I didn't go down, buddy. I know. I would have took a knee just so that way I could survive, and I still would have won the fight. Yeah. I'm smarter than that, Jesse. Come on now.
1: <laughs> Shoot. Uh,
3: hey. That- Anyway, <laughs> thanks for,
1: thanks for reliving that. Cause that's not easy for fighters to do, you know, in, in situations like that, you know, they, you know, the, the, the glory times and, you know, when they deliver the knockouts and all that sort of thing, you know, but uh, yeah. when they get buzzed, sometimes they don't like talking about it. And you just gave us two occasions where you admittedly were buzzed, you know? Nah, come on, man. Now, hey, I'm, I'm retired
3: from the sport, man. And, and you know, the fight fans they need to hear this, man. Anybody that there loves boxing done. they need to hear it, you know. And, and and I'm a realist when it comes to the game. Uh, if you hurt me, you hurt me. I'm not gonna lie, you know. There's no – and people see. It. <laughs> I can't. I can't say, oh, he didn't hurt me. No, he hurt me. He hurt me, and he, and it was a pretty good. Uh, it was a pretty good buzz he he created, but uh, I was I was good. I had my wits about me. I, I went back and watched the tape several times, and I mean I was like, oh my feet are good, my legs yeah. are good. All right, I see what I'm doing. All right, I stepped in, I tied him up right there. Uh, the ref steps in and goes, oh it's oh like I'm like what's going on, bro? I'm I'm here, but anyhow. No, that's no doubt, man. What about Lomachenko
1: Nakatani, baby? That's, we got that fight coming up soon. Yeah, that's why we got plenty of time to talk to you about that in a couple of weeks, man. So we're gonna have you back All on. Right. You know, that's that's the dealio with that. But we look forward to seeing you All on right. Saturday night, man. We'll see you there for Shakur Stevenson and Nakatilia. That's it. The H is Naca- gone. There you go. Yep,
3: Nakatilia. And, and Nakat-
1: is. Nakatilia gonna get knocked out. It sounds like.
3: Nakathila. Yeah. Yeah. Nakathila. 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 yeah. Nakathila.
1: Nakathila. yeah. Nakathila. Nakatila, getting Nakathila. knocked out. He's getting knocked out. Okay, Tim Bradley. He better get knocked out. I'm gonna be upset. There you go. <laughs> he, he
2: better get knocked out, right. out so TC doesn't have to keep on saying his name. That's right. I don't want to say his name anymore. <laughs> exactly. Gee, I, I
1: butchered it enough, man. Bradley's easy to, you know. Pacquiao's easy to say. Bradley's easy. To right. Crawford's easy to say. No problem, man. Right. All right, man. Hey, look forward to seeing you on Saturday night, man. At the at the Virgin. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Appreciate you. There he is, Timothy Bradley, the five-time champ, and uh, does a fantastic job on ESPN, him and Andre Ward and Joe Tessitore. Good Sounds sum. like he
2: gets buzzed a little bit differently than RVD does. <laughs> <laughs> That's it,
1: man. And some boxers get buzzed <laughs> both ways, you know? Well, you know, <laughs> it's painkiller, right? Always like Tim, man. Tim is a class at, class guy, and <clears throat> those – Wars that he had with Pacquiao were phenomenal. And, you know, again, when we have him on with a little bit more time, if we had more time today, I had him relive that, too. Because I remember him saying, him and Teddy Atlas, uh, after that fight, uh, we fought uh, the last time he fought Pacquiao, he said, man, he goes, uh, I-, I didn't know he was that fast. I mean, and you know, man, you know, man, he was approaching 40 at that point in time. It was like, hey, he's, you know, he's still got it. And now we're seeing Manny to this day. I mean, he took care of Keith Thurman. Now he's going to fight Earl Spence Jr. That fight's going to be here in Vegas in a couple months. Uh, You know, just I could watch Manny Pacquiao fight all the time. I I never want to see him retire. Well,
2: you know, it's interesting, too, because he talked about the fights that he couldn't make with the cross-promotion, but then he mentioned how, but I got three fights with Pacquiao, and I got paid. So it shows that just because one thing doesn't work out, sometimes it can still be beneficial to you. Because it sounds like in the long run, he
1: probably made out better
2: with the Pacquiao fights, oh, win, lose, or draw.
1: No question. No doubt <laughs> you know, about it. The, uh, the check cleared. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tim Bradley, class act, great guy. All right, and love to have him. We have him on the show regularly, so uh, great stuff. All right, when we come back, Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We talk VGK Colorado tonight. Who do you like? The favorite, the dog, and plus NBA playoff action as well. All
0: right, let me put some water on your ball.
1: More from the master debater,
0: the doctor, T.C. Martin. you never know what comes out of this guy's
1: mouth. All right. We're getting ready for Vegas. Golden Knights, Colorado Avalanche game number six tonight, T-Mobile Arena. Drop the puck approximately six oh eight tonight. Let's uh, break it down. We're the good friend, Scott Spreitzer, the handicapper extraordinaire. What's going on, my man? How you guys doing? Getting ready for the weekend, man. Man, big weekend! NBA playoffs, NHL, baseball—you name it, man. You know, even a little college baseball. You know, Scott, you—you
0: you dive into that at all? I do i do i 'll be uh, looking at some college World Series next week, and uh, I grew up about uh, that 's right about a fifteen minute drive from Rosenblatt Stadium, which is no longer in existence, but uh, went to the World Series College World Series every single year, and uh, it was just an event man back there so it, I've stayed it stayed as a part of my life I know that, and since we I've been able to bet on it for many, many years now. It's uh, been something I dive into. I'm a college baseball fan. I'm one of the few in Vegas.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I know you uh, go out to the UNLV games. I've seen you out there, and you love your baseball. And I think that, that I have not been to Omaha You know, for that, and Rosenblatt Stadium's gone, but like I said, they built the big monstrosity now. It really doesn't have the same feel. It it doesn't look like it does. It's a very nice stadium, but I think that should still be like a bucket list type of thing for the sports fan, especially a baseball fan. You can talk about going to all the other, you know, Major League ballparks and that sort of thing, but man, the atmosphere in that, you know, tense, basically double elimination style where basically it's, it's like a one and done type of situation. There's nothing like that, and you probably know it better than anybody.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, TC, and, I, and of course, my heart belongs to Rosenblatt. I have not been to the College World Series since it moved to the new stadium, but I hope to be there uh, next year in 2022 to check it out. My friends who still live back there and relatives say it's still a great experience. You know, they're selling out that place, whatever it holds, 25000 or whatever. But the cool thing about Rosenblatt that nobody, unless they're from the Omaha area, are going to care about that I talk about this on your show. But I'll tell you anyway, you would start out – in the afternoon by going to this italian joint and i'm talking like authentic italian joint, i was gonna say food Marchio's. had to come into play here i knew it i love it yes hey, tc i <laughs> saved this kind of talk for your show exclusively <laughs> and we would go to Markio's. we would have a late lunch down Markio's, and then just a little ways up the hill is the blatt as we called it back then and right across the street from the blatt was a little tiny ice cream parlor Uh, that's still there but obviously doesn't do the business that it used to and we would head in there and we'd get our ice cream and all that kind of stuff walk into the game and it was just a different atmosphere it was like going back to the 1950s when you walked in uh into that stadium it was just a real cool experience so that part of it's gone it's all you know a lot of joints around the new stadium and all that kind of stuff but uh i'm sure it's good at its level but not for us old folk as i like to call us tc
1: now is that a different part of town where the new
0: stadium Little is, bit. okay, yeah. Because a lot of these places they'll
1: just knock it down. They'll build it across from the parking lot, you know, where the old parking lot was. We've seen that with a lot of major league parks, but but Rosenblatt is actually a different part of town than the new stadium, huh?
0: Yeah, it's a good ten minute drive, and it's uh, about a ten minute drive or so, and, and it's also uh, it's by where it's where Creighton University plays their home games in basketball. It's go Right Blue across Jax. the street from there. There you go. So, All right. There yeah. you right, Num Chuck, what are you
2: playing here? He's playing all Italian time. Yeah. He's trying to set the ambiance
0: for the. I want to uh, hear about the ice the cream. Meal. I want to know what kind of ice cream Scott Spritzer was was taking. Oh, out of the that park. joint, man! That soft serve ice cream. I'm telling you. Now that he's playing this music, I'm thinking about Batista's Hole in the Wall yeah. here in town right now. I have Somebody <laughs> invited
1: me there. I haven't. I haven't been there. In like 25 years, Scott. So uh, is it still good?
0: I've never been it's, there. It's a fun really? place. It's just old school. It has that right. old school. Ballpark's and I never to... been there. we got to go with ballpark. Oh, come on. Well, we're going. You tell me when and I'll meet you guys there. Really? I've only been yeah. out here
1: since 88.
0: Oh, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I think she, the first time I went there was around eighty eight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Last time I was there was probably ninety five, ninety six. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. You guys definitely need to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good call, Scott. All right. There you go. All right, man. Uh, tonight, let's go VGK and the Colorado Avalanche. The Knights are a dollar thirty five favorite. What are you thinking here, man? This has been a kind of a hard series to handicap. Oh, wait a minute. I got to tell the story. If you're Scott Spritzer. And you take the first period, Colorado, in game number five, never a doubt. They only scored with less than a second to go. That's it. So, Scott, were you sweating for 19 minutes and whatever that is, uh, you know, nine-tenths of a second? 1959.2. Nineteen fifty nine point
0: two. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, get that point two in there. Let's be. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, never in doubt. Handicapped it that way. I said with about a second or two to go. No. Uh, yeah, listen, man. It was it was perfect because not only did I get the lucky goal with about a second to go, and not only that, but also marc Andre Fleury misplaying a puck. Right. I mean, all that had to come into play in the final second. But not only did I win the bet in the first period, but then I got to root for the Knights the yep. rest of the game. You know, I got to have my cake and eat it, too. Yep. Uh, so there's not a lot of times when you get to do that. But, yeah, that's what I did last time out. I played Colorado first period, and I was hoping to get – and it, what's funny is I was kind of texting back and forth with another handicapper, and we were both about to post, you know, oh, well, push with that first period, you know, but at least now I can root for the Golden Knights. And then, of course, they, they get that goal with the second to go. But, uh, yeah, it was like one of those – Fun nights where I got to win and then root for the Knights and see them come back and win the game. So, uh, you know, tonight you're looking at about a, anywhere from a $1.26 to $1.45. That's where this line ranges wow. from tonight. Uh, one offshore just dropped at a few pennies down to a buck twenty-six. I do, I do still see at William Hill it's hanging strong at minus $1.45. Uh, I've seen that uh, about 65% of the tickets or the bets – are on Vegas, but about 60% of the money is on Colorado. This was as of about an hour ago. So if you want to look at it that way, it's a Joe's versus pros, a public versus sharps game in which the public is on the Knights and the sharps are on Colorado. I don't agree uh, with the sharps. I did not make a play on this game, but if you made me, I would have backed Vegas. I saw this great article, guys, and part of being a handicapper to better is going out and grabbing articles from people or official sites that really make sense when it comes to metrics, things of that nature, how teams play against certain players, and then piecing it all together. So I got to give NHL.com uh, a, a hat tip on this one because they talked about the way McKinnon, of course, we all knew this, but the way McKinnon played through the first series of this playoffs so and the first two games against Vegas. And he had eight goals and he had five assists in six games, 13 points. He hasn't scored a point since. The last time NHL.com points out, the last time McKinnon went three straight games without scoring a point, games five, six, and seven of the Western Conference second round in 2019, they lost that series to the Sharks. Oh, by the way, Peter DeBoer was the coach of the Sharks. He's figured out a way to take McKinnon out of the series. He did it with San Jose. He's done it with Vegas. I think Colorado has a tough time getting him back on his game. You know, it's
2: interesting, too, because uh, you mentioned that goal that Fleury gave up there, and so, you know, you you didn't have to sweat your bet out there. But I thought in a weird kind of way that that actually lifted the team where it could be demoralizing. It's almost like the team looked and you saw Fleury like, oh, I want that back, but he was still smiling. And Mark Stone addressed it afterwards. They went in the locker room and basically said, you've had us all season long. Don't worry, we have your back. It's almost like he you know, made him that much more determined to win, especially the way he played in the second period to only be down two to nothing. And by the way, uh, I think that you might all uh, flower a a dinner at Batista's hole in the wall for, uh, for giving that goal up next time you see him.
0: I might owe him a few dinners, Uh, but but I'll tell you what, you saw the same thing I did, Frank, because I remember, like I said, I was texting back and forth with a couple of people. And when he gave it that goal and you saw his reaction afterwards, like what the heck did I just do? And I, I was like, that might be a blessing in disguise. I, this guy's going to come out steaming the rest of this game. And I, I, I was saying, I go, I, I'm hard-pressed to think that, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to give up another cheapie tonight. So I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, that might be a blessing in disguise. Obviously, it was a blessing in my wallet. Uh, but, again, for the Vegas Golden Knights, I definitely thought that it kind of got Fleury in that frame of mind of this ain't happening again. And he played extremely well before that and then of course the rest of the game saved their bacon in a couple of instances there we go bacon tc we're back to food but i love uh, it,
1: I love it. I love anyway
0: it. but yeah you know it's like I, I agree frank i was watching and thinking the same thing when that goal went in uh, other than the fact that i was jumping up and down a little bit like a 10 year old you know in a candy shop
1: so scott let's talk a little bit about this avalanche team they've never lost four in, in a row during this season i was i'm shocked they've really lost three in a row but has colorado were
0: they overvalued in this series I don't believe they were overvalued. I I still thought going into the series, and, and of course, I'm, you know, at this point hoping that I'm incorrect, thinking Colorado was going to win the series before it began. I don't think they were overvalued. I just think that Vegas has made all the right moves. You know, and guess what? You know, maybe, I mean, in hindsight, you could say, yeah, maybe they were a little overvalued or overrated because, you know, look it, man, if they come back to win the series talking about Vegas, all of a sudden that punt in game one where they started Leonard instead of Flurry. You know, is going to look like a genius move by DeBoer. He got marc Andre Fleury some extra rest. He might have felt going into that game the day before, the morning of the game. We're not going to win this game. We just don't have our legs, you know. So I'm going to give Fleury the night off. If they come back to win this series, they look like a genius. But again, before the series began, and they don't have one of their best players, you know, for a good chunk of this series. And I thought they were faster than Vegas throughout the season. And I thought when they had to get physical, along with that fast skating that they were a little bit more physical than Vegas throughout the course of the season. And obviously I'm not the only one. They were the favorite to win the series. Part of that, of course, is having home ice advantage when it began, which they no longer have. Uh, but again, it, you know, it's, it's tough, man, because hindsight says, yeah, maybe. But if they were just starting this series today, I would still like Colorado over Vegas in the series. Uh, things change. DeBoer makes that incredible change to do what he's done to McKinnon. Second time he's done it in two years of the postseason. And, you know, they've made a couple of changes where we've seen, like, the speed of Stevenson, you know, taking it right to the Colorado, kind of like pushing it back in their face, having speed like that. So, again, when you look at five-on-five, I think the thing that surprises me the most about the series, five-on-five, Vegas has been better than Colorado in 10 of the last 12 periods when it comes to expected goal percentage. I didn't think we'd see this. I thought maybe a period here, a period there. But 10 of the last 12 periods, their expected goal percentage in five-on-five five is just flat out better than the Avs.
1: You know, this series, and a lot of these series, are very hard to figure. And I want to make a statement here, Scott, and tell me what you think. That hockey seems to be the best value for underdogs. Would you agree with
0: that or not? Yeah, I do, because I don't think home ice well, – Vegas out of the mix, you know, right, I mean, right. places a nut job. When you go down there, it's great. But when you take, uh, when you look at, you know, home advantage, home court, home ice, home field, I think, uh, the NHL presents the best value for the underdog in a series, sometimes from game to game. Cause I don't think 99% of the time home ice means a whole lot. So yeah, I agree with you. You can also get a hot goalie who can start every game of a series who might be playing for the underdog where if you have an underdog in baseball, you don't get to throw your best pitcher out there every night. You know? So I do think for those reasons that hockey presents a better value if you like the underdog. And by the way, one quick note on this, you now, Fleury's won 15 games uh, when his team can clinch a series in his NHL career, and that, again, is attributed to NHL.com. And he has four shutouts in those situations. So he's second, actually, for the most shutouts, Uh, In a clincher in NHL history, you got that going for you too with math tonight with Marc Andre Fleury.
1: There you go. You know, after game number two, you could have got the Golden Knights at what plus four fifty or five dollars to win the series. And now, if you still like Colorado, you can get them at plus four twenty five. There's been some some tremendous value here. And uh, just think if you would have uh, you know you know played the Golden Knights after game number two.
0: Yeah, and again tonight with Colorado, again we're talking about. Before this series, Colorado was thought of as being the slightly better hockey team than Vegas, thought of by most as being the team to win the Stanley Cup. So you get that plus four dollar price right now, and I know this sounds, you know, kinda of weird to say only, but relatively speaking, you only have to win one game, you're back at your home ice for game seven. Right. You know, that series price, you know, for those who are sitting around betting some pizza money or some Batista's hole of the wall money, you know, plus four hundred, might not be the worst idea. You know, if that's where it's at right now, I have a playoff series today. So, you know, not a bad idea. I mean, again, you've got to win one game. If you don't, you you have fun money on it, you lose a little bit of fun money, a little bit of pizza money. If you happen to put 40 or 50 bucks on it and you win, hey, you've got a nice dinner coming up on you. You know what I mean? So, not a bad idea.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting too, Scott, because obviously Colorado wants it to go to a seventh game where they're eliminated, but they also get Cadre back in the lineup if they do go to a game seven, the first time that he's been able to play since that eight-game suspension. But Vegas right now might be the healthiest they've been in a long, long time with McNabb back and Patcheretti coming back right at the end of the Minnesota series and immediately paying dividends. He's got three game-winning goals. He had the pass to Stone for the game winner in overtime the last game. Uh, You know, we have, it Looks like Patrick Brown will be out tonight because he was staying with the with the, the reserves afterwards. So it looks like that fourth line tonight might be Carrier, Kolasar, and Reeves, which is going to be a really heavy-hitting line. So And Yanmar came back that last game. He got the puck off the boards and threw it to Wahoo, threw it to Tuck for that first goal. So not only has Vegas played pretty well, but they seem to be the healthiest right now. Pete DeBoer's got to feel one of his biggest challenges is, who do I play and who don't I play? Because he has that luxury of ha- having a healthy team at this point of the season. That's huge. Well, I want to yeah. add this,
1: too. I mean, they're so healthy right now that Ryan Reeves was a healthy scratch last game. And that's why I'm saying yeah. it. it looks like he's <laughs> I mean, in tonight yeah, again. Right. Yeah, so crazy.
0: Yeah, and the only one I see on the list right now as being questionable is is Nosek for tonight's game. You know, and, and as far as Codry... Yeah, you know, that's what I was talking about a little bit earlier when I was saying, you know, one of their players that can really uh, be a thorn in the side of Vegas hasn't even played in a series. And that was, of course, because he was suspended uh, for all those games. But, yeah, they would like to get Kadri. They'd like to get to a Game 7 for obvious reasons, but obviously also to get Kadri, one of their top centers on the ice, who can really, he can really change the course of a game. There's no doubt about it when he's at the top of his game. Uh, you mentioned Mark, That was huge in getting him back. He's meant so much to this team, I think, in the postseason, not just because of the hat trick that he had against Minnesota, but the way he plays, just that hard nose digging digging-after-the-puck style uh, that I think he was huge in getting him back, but you're right. This, you know, DeBoer all of a sudden has this luxury of having just about everybody on the ice, and you know who do I play here and there to make sure I don't disrupt the flow that we've had over the last three games.
1: All right, NBA playoffs tonight. Scott, two good games. Brooklyn at Milwaukee. Are the Bucks going to finally show up? They're a three and a half point choice at home tonight. No James Harden again, and then we got the Clippers against Utah. No Mike Conley for. Um, uh, for Utah tonight, and they're favored by three.
0: Yeah, as far as the Bucks are concerned, you know, I, I, again, I think it's one of those situations where one of the best things that the Nets had going for them in the first couple of games was the Bucks' offense, or lack thereof. I mean, they were so bad. Uh, they contributed to their own demise in each of those games. They made 14 of 57, or 25% of their three-pointers, the Bucks in the two games. They were 15 for 28, from the free throw line. This is a basketball team that ranked sixth in offensive efficiency this season second in effective field goal percentage, fifth in true shooting percentage, and they can't hit the broad side of the barn. You could suit the three of us up right now, and I think we could make half of our free throws. Nobody's in our face, right? I mean, the Bucks were the fifth most accurate three-point shooting team in all of 2021, and then go 14 for 57. You're not going to tell me that all of a sudden the Brooklyn Nets found the sweet elixir to play defensive basketball. You know, they're bottom third in a lot of categories when it comes to the defensive end of the floor. Uh, and also I wanted to mention, and I'm leaning towards the Bucks here, I did make a bet on the first half. I laid two and a half. I think it's three now in most books, but I laid two and a half with the Bucs in the first half. One thing about the Bucks that they've been known for this season is bouncing back, refocusing from a loss, coming out of the gate strong in the next game. And they covered the first half in four straight games following a straight-up loss outscoring their opponents by an average of 63 to 49 in the first half of those games coming off a loss that was before the playoffs began uh, i think it's now or never and i thought you know what at that point it's not a big play for me but i laid the two and a half in the first half thinking it's kind of a virtual now or never for milwaukee listen i don't think they can shoot 25 percent from area code three for a third straight game especially at home if they do I'm going to lose. But I'm betting that they shoot better and come out with a little bit more intensity uh, in the first half of this particular game.
1: And Clippers, do they even it up tonight? We saw what they could do on the road against Dallas. What happens there?
0: Yeah, I can't count the Clippers out, guys. I, I think i got to lean that way. I, I only, the only play I made tonight was the Bucks okay. in that first half, laying the 2.5. By the way, they're up to 3.5 for the game. As far as that game, Utah, they're laying 2.5 right now, total sitting at two twenty two and a half. I, I like to see when I like a team like the Clippers – I don't want Mike Conley out. I want to handicap this and bet it going against what they know and what they've seen when he's been healthy this season. All of a sudden he's out, and we see it so many times that good teams that are coached well can rally around a player, a top player, being out for one game. That bothers me a little bit, but I lean towards the Clippers. Uh, Boy, Kawhi, when he needs to, has been able to shoot lights out, at least he did last series, where they had to have him. So a lean to the Clippers and a bet on Milwaukee in the first half. All
1: right, Scott Sprites or Doc Sports. Go check out all of his stuff there at docsports.com. Get involved with Scott's plays. Scott, enjoy the games uh, tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon, my man. Go Nights go. Talk to you guys later. All right, great stuff from Scott our handicapper extraordinaire. Want to thank, from the boxing side, the Hall of Famer Bob Arum from top rank and Timothy Bradley, the former five-time champ and ESPN broadcaster as well. Appreciate that. All right, go nights go. We'll see. We'll reconvene tomorrow. Tomorrow, Golden Pipes joins us live from Sunset Station as well as Chuck Esposito. We'll look forward to that. Hasta la vista, baby.